The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, Minister for the Environment Eamon Ryan is expected to bring a memo to Cabinet this week that will include an annex to the government's climate plan setting out how and when climate measures can be achieved. There will be a focus on reducing private car use with the deterrents like congestion charges, increased parking charges and greater pedestrianisation in towns and cities up for discussion. Now, joining me to talk about all of this, Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor of the School of Engineering at Trinity College in Dublin and Neil MacDonald, CEO of ISME. A good morning and welcome to you both. So, uh, Brian, um, shocked but not surprised <laughs> at the idea of a congestion charge for you to get into Trinity College? Um, well, I, I hope the congestion charge wouldn't be put on a bus or a Lewis, because that's how I get in there. Um, <laughs> but not surprised, really, I suppose. These are the types of measures other cities have used across the world to, to reduce car usage in our cities. Um, and it's kind of what's in the NTA modelling report is about how we cull the fleet and how we, you know, in Dublin, one of the measures is to reduce car ownership by 14%. So those are the types of things that we're, we're going to have to start talking about. Now, is the NTA modelling about just managing to move people around or is it about emissions? I mean, does the NTA have any particular mandate about emissions or is it all about the efficient transportation of people? Well, I suppose their mandate is around the efficient um, movement of people and, and the knock-on impact of making it more efficient is reducing emissions. And when they put out their, their strategies, they have to be compliant with government uh, policy and government policy at the moment is a 50% reduction in transport emissions by 2030. And this is what this is the model telling you know policymakers this is a pathway to make it happen. Um, when does the NTA modelling predict that congestion charges would have to be introduced? Because obviously uh, there are mechanisms by which the congestion charge would have to be collected. Um, the you know locations where all of this would happen. Uh, you know what is to happen to the man in the white van who needs to enter a city in order to repair uh, someone's uh, some shops. Uh, fridges or plumbing or whatever um so the modeling report that was released um it doesn't have timelines around when say congestion charge will be introduced um from 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 my perspective i don't think it's something that's likely to happen within maybe the next three four even five years and we need better public transport and then all of the things that you mentioned there are very important things some people need cars to get into the city centre um, and some people need parking at the city centre. How we enable that to happen and how we do that. There's been no flick of a switch congestion charge introduced anywhere on the planet. So it will take time. It will take consensus and dialogue. But I suppose this is one of the routes in which the minister is looking at. Now, where have they introduced congestion charges? We're, we're familiar with uh, London and uh, that seems to have worked. But of course, we all know that both overground with buses and underground with uh, uh, the, the uh, great underground service that uh, spans all across London, uh, they already had a pretty good rapid transit situation in place. Yep, they definitely do. One that we, we definitely envy here in Dublin. Um, Sweden is a good example. In Stockholm and in Gothenburg, um, cities that would be comparable to Dublin and Cork in size, um, they they've both introduced um, uh, congestion charging. It's been it was done over a time period whereby they increased public transport, so they had their own version of bus connects happen, more light rail services, more rail services, and then when they were put in place, a vote was put to the people, the people accepted it, and a congestion charge is now quite successful in both of those cities. Yeah, I mean Stockholm has had a metro for decades. It has, um, it, it has had a metro. Um, 
equivalent, I suppose, kind of to to the dart in terms of the amount of people that it would move. Um, but they did have expansions in the rail service, and bus was the thing that they leaned on, and that's what we'll have to lean on in Dublin and in our regional cities um, before the end of the decade. If we want to push it out past twenty thirty to twenty thirty five, then you'll start to see that we will have these rail services. Say maybe the the Finglas Lewis, the Metro will will hopefully at that stage be almost complete. Um, and then it may be a more palatable um, uh, policy. Now, you think it will have to be uh, slow in its implementation uh, because, uh, you know, not everyone can take an electric scooter or a push bike, be it electrified or otherwise. Uh, how many public transport seats have we available, you know, to get people where they want to get? Exactly. If we were to introduce it in the morning, um, we wouldn't have enough seats on our buses or on our trams or there wouldn't be enough shared bikes or scooters or whatever it is in the city. That all needs to ramp up. So we need to have the carrots in place um, before we would bring out um, a stick like this. And it's not intended, I think, at least in the report that the NTA put out, or I would imagine in the minister's mind, that this is something that's going to happen very soon. Now, the, the Green Party has a history of, of, of carrot, uh, I know, because uh, they changed uh, the rules uh, in terms of motor tax and uh, CO2 emissions. And there was a massive move to diesel, which, of course, now people are saying shouldn't be driving diesel. But anyway, they did that. And uh, because it was a carrot, the public followed in their droves. They did. Um, and I suppose that was a relatively easy transition. It's not like, say, the electric car transition, whereby you're you're switching to a completely different fuel source. You have to worry about charging and range and all of these other kind of things. I suppose like that. And also when we, we build public transport, we saw that with the with the Lewis, with the Dart and, and the bus corridors in our city. When they were put in place, people people adopted them. People started to use them, and they became very successful victims of their own success in some cases. So I think when the public transport alternatives are there, then it's you know almost the stragglers then that 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 the congestion charge would be for. Yeah, um, I, when I think of cities that have very good uh, public transport systems, I mean I would obviously prefer to take the subway or the bus. Uh, in London, I've used the metro extensively in Paris. I would never uh, dream of driving around Paris if I could possibly avoid it. I've done it once or twice, but I would not choose to do it. I would obviously choose to, to use public transport. So um, they have to get their ducks in a row before they start penalising people. Yeah, exactly. So the, a level of public transport provision would need to be there, that there would need to be levels of accessibility, uh, as we said about bus and, and on rail, that would need to be in place. And also in the regional cities too, you know, the regional cities are crying out for better public transport services. Bus Connects is getting there in Galway and Cork and, and Waterford and Limerick. But I think in the regional cities, we maybe need to start to think differently. Um, I, I think I've said it before, Jipad about Belfast and their glider system up there. That's a fantastic service. We only need to look over the border and to see what they've done there. And it could be impl- implemented in a city like Cork or, or Galway. Remind us what the glider service does. It's, it's essentially a bus service that, to all incentive purposes, looks like a light rail system. Um, you've got your uh, entry and exit validation on the curbside. Um, it's 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 low floor and it looks like a tram and it can take a lot more people. Um, and it's been very successful. And in Belfast, um, they're starting to that they've started to plan to extend that service. Okay, and is it kind of one carriage or two or three? Uh, can it be extended it's, like a like, like a Lewis? 
Um, well, it's an articulated bus. I suppose you could make them longer, but it would depend upon the city and the the, the, the geography of, of the city and how it would be able to get around it. I suppose to bring up maybe a horror story about them, they're kind of like Boris's bendy buses, um, but they work very well in cities that are able to to um, get them through the city without clogging up um, yeah. traffic or, or delaying other buses. And, and, and how, how are they powered? That. Are they electrically powered or um, diesel? Um, I think the ones in Belfast are hybrids, but you can get them electric as well. And as we see in Athlone at the moment, there's a full fleet of, of um, electric buses uh, providing public transport in that town. Again, this is something that we should be looking towards doing. Yeah, I know there's a, a service in, in some cities, can't remember which one. I think it might be a Swiss city where by you have um, electric uh, trams. And what they do is every time they stop at a stop, they recharge. So they, they slot into a recharging mechanism uh, while they're loading passengers and so on. So they get a little boost, then they move on to the next stop and at the next stop they get a little boost as well. Um, so the flexibility of having this glider system, which means when the road is up, it doesn't have to be cancelled, it just diverts. Um, but you could uh, introduce those innovative technologies as well, which keeps the charge up so that the, the glider or its equivalent can glide along all day. Precisely. And it's that kind of thinking that we need, Pat. We need to start to think about how we fuel our transport, how we move our transport. Um, And in our regional cities, I think there's an awful lot of scope for innovation and innovation around those types of services is, is the thing that our cities are crying out for. Brian, thank you very much uh, for talking to us about that. Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor in the School of Engineering at Trinity College in Dublin. Neil McDonald, CEO of ISME. What do you think, uh, Neil, uh, about uh, the possibility of a congestion charge and even, you know, naming the possibility might put the frighteners on people about uh, accessing our cities? Well, I think Brian's put put his finger on on the issue, uh, Pat, which is where there are uh, viable alternatives, uh, workers will use them. Um, in in the absence of viable alternatives to getting into work, uh, then applying a congestion charge will just make uh, behaviour which is going to continue. It's just going to make it more expensive. So the key to this is providing uh, valid alternatives. And as you, as you said earlier on, Pat, uh, people re- do respond well to carrot rather than stick. So where economic incentives are, are in place, people will use them. And unfortunately, this is one area where the pandemic has not done us any favours, Pat. We have seen a flight away from conurbations, people buying outside the cities, and now they're, you know, potentially commuting again. The the other thing that has happened uh, post-pandemic is that people are working from home for at least two or three days a week, and that has destroyed the economic basis of tax saver tickets. We're aware that employers are very few employees are availing of tax savers now because they're not financially viable where people are working two or three days a week yeah. from home. So, so they're more expensive, in fact, than uh, they would have been uh, before, because if you're only taking the service two days or three days a week, but paying even at a discount for five days doesn't make sense. Precisely. And at the time where other European countries, we see the the Germans, the Austrians, the Swiss providing really viable, cheap, affordable public transport alternatives, and people will flock to them when they're there. People actually don't want to spend, uh, you know, 45 minutes, an hour commuting each way in a car when there is an alternative. Um, And of course, 
you, you know, we know from what happened during the pandemic that working from home is a viable alternative uh, for a significant chunk of the working population. So we should also be trying to make mm. remote working better and more affordable and, and provide the carrot there. I know we've spoken about um, hubs, uh, especially in, in regional towns and villages. These are the sorts of things we should be doing. But at the moment, if you attempted to, to impose a congestion charge on Dublin with no viable alternative uh, for workers to get in and out of work, all you're going to do is impose cost on them for no gain. Yep. One of the final points, uh, Neil, is, uh, you know, a crowded city full of people is a safer city. So if um, they start manoeuvring in such a way as to keep people off the streets well our streets are not going to be safe that's the truth of it they're not going to be safe and they're going to be less viable I think I don't need to say to anyone working in Marconi house you know you've seen the change in footfall post pandemic and small businesses and coffee shops and sandwich bars are trying to make uh, their business viable across a three-day rather than a five-day week basis. So if if, if we want uh, vibrant, viable cities, we are going to have to ensure that there is a footfall within them and, and providing uh, people a, a, a way of getting in and out of them that's responsible to the climate but also doesn't punish people for doing it. We, they, that's the direction we need to go. Neil, thank you very much for joining us. Neil McDonald, CEO of Ismay, the Irish Small and Medium Enterprises Organisation. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.